0: Hello and welcome to Effective Conversations with Yael Finer. Each episode is a unique journey into a polarizing topic, where we go beyond the facts, explore the underlying emotions, and learn something new about ourselves. Today, I'm speaking with Glenn and Rainbow Eyes. They are both indigenous leaders. They are deeply involved with the Fairy Creek blockade and the Pachydat community. We are talking about their experience with the RCMP forces, about the challenges leading a divided nation, and we talk about the complexities and nuances in communication within a big organization. So you just came back from the court hearing about the people that got arrested at Fairy Creek. Um, How many people got arrested?
1: Some, it was. Twelve hundred, but it was multiple people. So right now, I not one hundred percent sure, but I think it's two hundred people were arrested. Um, and but many of them were arrested multiple times. There was a lot of catch and release, mm. and that's how they got up to twelve hundred. Um, right. Okay. So. But Glenn doesn't think so, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah because so many people were there that like had like we know people that were arrested 8 to 10 times and they kept going back yep (laughs) like people got arrested multiple times but it was just like you know quick quick
0: releases yeah okay I understand yeah and then indigenous people were arrested maybe 10 times for, for a person sometimes right yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Strawberry was arrested eight times.
0: Strawberry, there was a um, a video about her.
1: That yeah, I mean, she's incredible. She's just a mom.
0: Mm-hmm. Ugh, it was hard to hard to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so powerful. And, she's
0: so powerful. And you also you you had this kind of the same kind of treatment from RCMP. Um,
1: yeah. Um, They were rough um, during my fourth arrest, but I never got the brutality that they got. Um, I was always, like, down at HQ or at um, big action movements. The RCMP, I think, tended to be brutal up on the mountain where there wasn't many people. Mm. Uh, Yeah, and journalists. That's what they did. They were sneaky. Right. And I, I always stayed at HQ. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm so sad to say that I, I didn't go up the mountain very often. So I was like always, you know, at actions with a lot of people around. And man, did the RCMP act different when there's a lot of people around. I mean, they would say snide comments to you. Like if you were close to them, they would always say something mm-hmm. rude. Or something. Um, but other than that, they even though I've seen them um, pull people's braids, of, like Strawberry. They, they treated her horrifically with a lot of people around. So I don't know. I guess it's just you know, so you know, circumstance. Why they decide to pick
0: on on specific people and let go of other people? Like they have uh, information about specific people that they are more leaders or something.
2: I noticed some of the people were a louder voice, and they they got targeted immediately.
0: And the louder voices.
2: Sometimes so, it was there's no reason at all.
1: Yeah, I found that for myself. I know, like my fourth arrest, I was like um, really giving the RCMP a hard time, and it took me four arrests to learn um, like to do this, because you know, we're, we grow up and we're, we're raised to just listen to RCMP and do what they say. But the beautiful thing about Ferry Creek is like by my fourth arrest, I knew that I could call out to the RCMP and I knew that we didn't have to listen to them. And we start sharing this with each other. Mm -hmm. And I know I I was arrested for my fourth arrest because I had a loud voice. And definitely they target you. It's a bullying thing. It's a childish thing in the RCMP where if you stand up in your power, they hate it. They turn into little boys and they need to get you. Like, it's this dynamic and the powerful women, I'm going to say, and, mo- and, and indigenous and any women, anybody that stands in their power, they are going to target you. It's just because um, they're immature.
0: You can say mature, but in the, in, the same, in the same way, they kind of find the leaders, find the people that bring, you know, inspiration to the others and want to take them down. It it's makes uh, completely yeah. sense yeah. from their uh, point of view. <laughs> right right so and that's unfortunate
1: yeah yeah and it was always the um you know the indigenous it's so it's so beautiful that the indigenous people always wanted to be at at the front you know like everybody that I know anyways just it's just something in I don't know just to be um, on the front lines is just you know where else would you want to be you know standing up for the old growth um, yeah
0: <laughs> and and in the same way, it's the most dangerous place to be, right close to the r c m p that treats you not respectfully and harshly violently yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. But I mean, we we realized quickly that there's like, you know, no price, no price too high to pay to to protect our old growth. And that's, you know, the biggest um, sign that we could give was just to show how strong we were together um, and that they didn't scare us anymore. And that was one of the biggest lessons of being on the front lines all summer, weekend after weekend with Mm -hmm. the elders from Victoria, with all the people that came from the cities was when we got into these big actions, the RCMP became powerless. And that's when they started getting violent because they felt that they were losing power. And that's when they started using mace. And that's because they couldn't control us because and, you know, we weren't wrong. We were protecting the old growth. So, like, what do they do? You get violent to control the people because the people are gaining power. Like, or standing in their power, not gaining power, knowing their power, living in our power together, you know. And that was the beautiful thing. All the different ages, the elders from Victoria, we all came together. And together, we were, we were so strong. Well.
0: So, so you realize that you don't need to listen to them? In what way you don't need to listen to them? They are kind of authority. So we learned that we need to listen to authority. But then you realize yes. that, that what?
1: Well, we realize that they are liars. We realize that they tell us we can't go into it. We can't. But there's an exclusion zone. And then they change the exclusion zone. It became quick, like... um like common knowledge early on in the summer that the RCMP were liars. They would tell us to do something, go in an area, and then they would change it. Hmm. And then they would change it. Then they would change it. And then if you were still there, they would arrest you. So we're blocking the road. um, And there would be an exclusion area, say for journalists, Mm -hmm. or for supporters that are just there for people in Dragons. And they would move the exclusion area from one side of the road to the other side of the road, and then back to the other side of the road. Mm. And if the people didn't move quickly enough, they would be arrested. Mm. And,
2: like, or they just moved it and arrested everybody exactly. with no
1: like, Or they would tell you not to go on the side of the road, up on the hill, and you were totally off the road but you couldn't go up there. I mean, they just started making stupid rules. Everybody knew it. And um, we just knew that, you know, and that was the common thing. They just lied to us all the time. And this was the people in charge. You would ask a question to go up a mountain a week before, plan it with the elders, plan it with Bill, elders for ancient rainforest, they're coming. Can we go up the mountain? Yes, you can. But the day that everybody was there, you went to talk to the people and we weren't allowed up the mountain by the RCMP. They're like, oh, what are you talking about? Even though it had been planned for a week that we go up on big action, they wouldn't let us up. Like it was just like so often like that kind of thing happened and they just played stupid. They they had their own rules.
0: Yeah, they try to confuse you and then make you kind of disobey what they did so they can arrest you.
1: Yeah. Something yeah, like that. and they love to waste time. Like, just like, and you know, and it was a control thing. It was 100% a control thing. Wait here 15 minutes. Wait here in half an hour. You know, and it was just like such a control.
0: You, sorry, you had to ask them... Uh, like for permission to go up the mountain, like all this blockade is, oh,
2: yeah.
1: is without permission, yeah. right?
2: No, this is for ceremony.
1: This was for like ceremony. Like if we wanted to go up um, to Waterfall, like with the elders, with Bill, and like have a ceremony, mm. um, and the RCMP was on the mountain, they, you know, people wouldn't, weren't allowed to drive up, especially if we were with Elder Bill or elders, you had to drive up. Um, and it would be organized like a week ahead of time. Like, let's do the ceremony up at Waterfall next week. And the day came for the ceremony and there's RCMP, you know, blocking the road. Um, and they wouldn't let us up and they would pretend they didn't know what we were talking about.
0: So frustrating.
1: So it was just normal. So
0: that it was just normal. So how did you deal with that? Like, what did, what did you do around that? Just waiting, doing what or you started to say that you stopped listening to them
2: well here's here's a good example like we go up there and there'd be bill in the in the truck and there'd be uh, the hereditary uh, unseated hereditary chief victor in the truck and and we'd just sit there and say we're going through uh, bill would talk very elegantly uh, stating the laws uh, aya on a few occasions did. and those are the times they realize that, yes, it's unceded territory. Uh, these are the people of the land, and uh, it is their land, and they actually let us up. Uh, one time in particular, I remember very well, was uh, we went up there, and Bill was taking a people a group on a walk up, and the officer said, No, you can't come up. And one of the choked in the crowd, I think it was choked, and he said, uh, Bill it's unseated, it's your territory, you don't need their permission. And just like that, a couple hundred people walked right through.
0: Hmm, And that's when they were
2: powerless. They were absolutely powerless because there were so many people. Right. And then that would bring repercussions the next day to people on the front lines because it was like they had to get their vengeance.
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Feeling helpless is one of the biggest triggers to violence. It is also happening uh, with parents, mainly dads, that when they're feeling helpless towards kids, they sometimes raise their hands on their kids. And definitely when, when a police force feeling themselves, they should be the stronger one and they have the weapon and all the armors, you know, and the equipment, and then hundreds of people are walking by, I can understand why it's bringing repercussions later.
1: Oh, yeah. Not used to feeling that, for sure. And that's when they, they would act out. Because most of those men have trauma. And most of the RCMP that are there, like, a lot of RCMP didn't want to be there. And those are the ones with the compassionate hearts. And we met them. They're They're in the police detachments, like in Duncan and in Lake Cowichan, we met the compassionate RCMP officers. But the RCMP officers that really stayed up at Ferry Creek, it was their choice and they had deep trauma. They they were psychopaths, like honestly, especially the green men, the psychopath green men, that's what we called them. They liked to terrorize the forest defenders at night and they played the games, and it was a game for them, and mostly for the green men, like green division. Yeah, the green uniforms. Yeah, the green division. They were, I mean, they were built um, like to go to war, and they were using tactics on the peaceful protesters that were made for um, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm.
2: Militaryistic,
1: military. Yeah, military. I mean, that's what we were up against. And honest, honestly, these these men had trauma,
0: and so when you say they had trauma, is it your perspective of, of
1: that? It's one hundred percent my perspective because of the way they acted, because of all of the stories we heard from so many forest defenders of the things that these psychopath green men said to them, like the comments right. that they made, um, even the sergeants, the RCMP sergeant, mm-hmm. like um they would walk around talking about how much money they were getting paid, and like that they're gonna be able to buy a new truck. And like they would talk it down to the forest defenders. And like if it was just one or two stories, okay. But no, every single fairy creaker has heard personally a story a horrible story of treatment by the RCMP and the psychopath green men.
0: Let's say that uh, an RCMP officer is listening right now to the podcast and he asks himself, am I really traumatized or I'm just doing my job? I'm supposed to do some aggressive work with uh, protesters. So help them differentiate if they are really aggressive and violent and traumatized or they're just doing their job.
1: Do they have compassion? Um, these these men didn't have compassionate hearts. They they were mean. Um they enjoyed it. Mm. Um
2: Charny. Journey. Charny's the greatest example of the psychopath. Yeah. He is.
1: He broke the water at Wetzetten. He like he just like emptied out all the water, like complete waste, and th- just
2: treating his own men like garbage in front of everybody.
1: Charney yeah. is a
0: is a, the police officer name. He's
1: one of the main um... sergeant sergeant sergeant. Yeah. What do you mean? And... Broke the water. Yeah. Well, there's, like, a famous video of Charney at Wet'suwet'en mm-hmm. um, being snarky, so snarky, um, emptying water, and, you know, of of Wet'suwet'en people at their camp, like a big, huge water jug, mm-hmm. and he just emptied it, empties it out. Um,
0: right. Just to, yeah, like, hurt them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and just, like, with a just like, I don't know, the, the snarkiest look on his face. You know, there's so many photos of him just looking like he's completely enjoying it. If you enjoy working at Ferry Creek and um, terrorizing and brutalizing forest offenders, you're traumatized. Like that's what I'll say to any RCMP listen to. If you like get enjoyment out of it, like it's, that's not, that's not okay. And there's so many, we've heard of stories of RCMP, like stepping down, like they, they couldn't do the work. That is someone with a compassionate heart. If you can't, if you can't do that work, because you know what, we shouldn't be able to do that work as human beings. We shouldn't.
0: Yeah, it sounds like if you're compassionate and you need to do some work that you disagree with, you have a, a huge inner conflict inside of you, right? And yeah. If you, yeah. you have this uh, cognitive dissonance, like what, what do yeah. I do if I feel for those people and how can I hurt them and how can I do that? So those people, I would, I would think won't show up for Fair Creek for do something like that. So of course you will get yeah. the the one that don't feel that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there were compassionate RCMP officers, you know, mm-hmm. there were the ones that we could talk to and there some even some RCMP officers even got camp names <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so.
0: tell me a conversation with a compassionate RCMP that's interesting what will they say um, to you what they need to do are they still be arresting you they
1: arrest you compassionately like what the what, <laughs> what do you see so okay so here's the story um, one time when they went for ceremony up the mountain. Um, I wasn't allowed to go up with a few others because we were recognized as not being able to go up the mountain because we had been arrested. So we held a ceremony at the bottom of the mountain and we created a ceremony circle right on the road. Mm -hmm. The RCMP officers who were in the area allowed it to happen. One in particular, this really um, compassionate hearted RCMP officer a group of um green men came by like the green uniformed um division Mm -hmm. and they were so angry they're like take that down get that get that sacred you know like get our circle off of the road and then still the compassionate hearted rcmp officer allowed it he's like it's okay you can keep it there you know Mm -hmm. like he didn't listen even though the green men came by and you could tell. They were angry that the other RCMP officers had allowed us to create a circle right in the middle of the road and we were holding ceremony. Um, they were so upset about it, but the RCMP were were,
0: were 100%. I'm sorry, I'm so sneezing. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's uh-huh. up to And And a conversation that you had with RCMP... What, what are they saying? Like, why they're doing that? It's their job. They have to. What mm-hmm. do they say?
1: Well, like, I, I never... You don't talk to an RCMP officer unless you talk to them. So, like, they won't talk to you. And it mm. was, like, they, they... Like, that was, like, the separation thing. Like, like what you said earlier, they wouldn't connect. They, like, they didn't want to connect. It felt like the ones with, like, compassionate hearts, they have to stay separated, um, but I guess it would just i don't i don't know I didn't have many conversations with our c m p officers uh-huh. um, but one one lady, one woman i talk, spoke to um, she said that she took an oath she brought it back to the oath that our c m p officers take to serve and protect, and she's doing her job so that's something she said and that always stuck with me because they're stuck into their job they have to obey the crown i mean they say they serve and protect but they take an oath to obey they must obey so they're 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 cogs in the machine you know they arrest us and we're not guilty you know yeah,
0: like serve and protect the industry or serve and protect what uh, the government says, but not the people, which is one of the yeah. very unfortunate situations when we see it today in, in everywhere in the world, actually, right? Yeah. That, that industry got so strong, especially corporation that government protect the, the, the wealth and the, and the profit of corporation.
1: Yeah, and that's not something that ever makes it out into media. Um, Yeah, the media is owned by the government 100%. Like what's happening at Wet'suwet'en with the pipeline is just like insanity that the RCMP are using sniper rifles on unarmed Wet'suwet'en people. It's just, that is insane. And it's not on any main news. Hmm. It's insanity.
0: I want to ask about you now, a personal question. It seems like you and Glenn are inseparable. Uh, how did you get together? Have you met each other at the blockade? Yes. Tell, tell yeah, me. Yeah, right
1: away. Right away. <laughs> like, um, like probably in the first like week I met Glenn. He came into the camps and then we just started um, just working together every day, driving around, doing stuff.
2: And we have family. We have our families know each other.
1: Mm-hmm. That
2: was the interesting part.
1: <laughs> yeah, Glenn's sister is um, close with my family up um, up North Island, Vancouver Island. Uhhuh. Um, and I, I, I had heard of his sister, and I have I've met his sister a few years ago up in our territory of Knight Inlet. But you
0: didn't know each other before. No. Wow. So you start working together, driving together, working together from the first week or f- first day? How how early on yeah. you both started?
2: The sacred Fire, basically.
1: Yeah. Well, Glenn drove me into hike into um, Keikus um, right at the beginning of enforcement, RCMP enforcement. So he took me in there and I hiked in. So yeah, he's, and then we've been like just going to actions and Glenn has this he knows where to go always. And like so we yeah, we follow the movements, the actions, you know, where we can play our drums and sing songs and really be there for, you know, everybody. For each other, you know, like as a group, as you know, the forest defenders of Fairy Creek.
0: Yeah, and then and then you fell in love? <laughs>
1: yeah 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 yeah. we uh we were working partners and now we're we're partners in love for sure
0: yeah (laughs) you don't want to talk about it too much that's okay yeah okay sure moving on so you also heard marmar's and nasa's uh, episodes in the podcast how was it for you to hear them
2: so informative Uh, it shed so much light on them personally of, uh, yeah, their, their personal viewpoints and the personal struggles they both have in this world. Like it was amazing. It was such, it was enlightening to hear this. I enjoyed it thoroughly, uh, especially with, uh, NAS wanting to do what, uh, they want to do, uh. Rainbow's family basically did the same thing. They reclaimed their village. It's uh, this is the way it's done. Yeah. I'd encourage uh, NASA and I left some um, voice messages to uh, make a proposal through and send it through because that some of that money is earmarked for projects like that, like especially Mm -hmm. land back. Uh, The idea that uh, Marmar had Mm -hmm. about a circle like Longhouse circle uh-huh. circle up like go to the longhouse it's in duncan it's available and that's probably one of the best ideas i've heard yeah i was uh i really enjoyed the talk with them uh what else do i think they came in in the summer when it was pretty wild and uh, there when they showed up for the most part of it because the uh indigenous crew with nolan and uh and those guys, we had we went back to Saskatchewan and we drove them out to Saskatchewan for the uh, funeral. So then I came back like three weeks later and it was like, my goodness, I thought it was big when I left. Now there's a bloody city there. It was like it went from a <laughs> town to a city. And
0: <laughs> there have been you, a few yeah. problems
2: beforehand, like, you know, especially the Indigenous part. I've seen some stuff that just like, what the heck? And it's cause we're thrown in, we're thrown into something that nobody was trained for. Number one. And most foremost, none of us had training for this. We've had personal experiences that, uh, like Marmar was excellent with the meetings, uh, uh, NAS with the setting up of kitchens and cooking with, uh, her friends, with their friends.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, Rainbow Eyes being an Indigenous university-trained land uh, guardian. Uh, Bill going through working uh, in hospitals with mentally challenged people to being a logger. All his experience and being involved in, in protecting forests before, it's like everybody's past. We were all formed to come together to do something amazing. And it was done. But the thing was, when we all get together, we're all like, what the hell? Like, it's like, it's chaos. It was chaos. And on creator time, for sure, without a doubt, uh, people like uh, Shauna, without Shauna, that would never even got to the point where people started coming. Like, that's just the way it is. Uh, myself running back and forth way in the middle of the woods all winter long, bringing supplies in, uh, helping people out. You know, there's some, it, like, and there's, I'm not trying to use us as like, oh, we're the gods or nothing, because far from. It was like frigging 40 people doing that kind of stuff all winter long. And then we come to this point where, boom, the fuse is lit. And,
0: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's just it was chaos chaos but organized chaos and it, it oh, was goodness, people goodness. on the ground like marmer having his little meetings about uh arrest supports uh uh up there doing talking about building this and building that uh and then getting work crews together to do it it was just man oh man i've never seen nothing like that nope totally amazed
0: I liked how you said "organized chaos." Yeah. I wonder what is your perspective on pre- respecting protocols and building relationship with Pachydat community. I know you're doing a lot with uh, helping them out. Right. Those
2: relationships and Pachydat. Then the chief did those statements where they wanted everybody out of there. But at that time, it it, it was chaos. Like there were so many people there. It's like, what do you do? Uh I have no answers for. It's just, it is what it is. Relationships being built, whatever you're sitting around those circles, I couldn't even go to them because I'm so stressed out. Like, what do you do? I sat through a few of them, but with the grandma also ones, but as far as strategizing and all that stuff, it, that's not where my calling was. So I just stay out of those ones. Uh is that, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff going on. I remember one indigenous uh some trying was uh basically chastising white people everywhere they went. And I'm walking through there with Victor and another patchy dad uh youth and he's sitting there having a freak show about this person walking barefoot and and we're sitting there to, to Victor, which is, it's his territory. Unseated, He's unseated chief and it's unseated territory looking at me go, Glenn, what the heck is this? And he's accusing everybody of not following protocols for walking barefoot. It's like, and Victor's like, man, I love walk. Does this mean I can't wear a barefoot anymore? <laughs> and I'm like, man, I don't know. But I think, I think with that, it's just the stress of what was going on. Uh, there's some legitimate complaints, oh, believe me, believe me, I've seen a lot of them like,
0: what was the legitimate
2: Well, just people coming and doing uh there was one time some they were having a ceremony. I just walked by and and I'm like, that looks kind of weird, and uh, next thing you know, Graham Olson was uh. Yeah, she straightened that out immediately. So there was incidents like that. It was culturally misappropriate to be doing what they were doing. Definitely. And it's because everybody's from different cultures and you know, everybody's learning. Like, you know, I hear stories, well, why wasn't this person kicked out? I can tell you, I kicked out a person and it was it was one of these guys just being inappropriate. And uh, he came back three more times. And I'm telling you, like any other place in the world, it would have been criminal charges how I dealt with it. But it is what it is. The guy wasn't listening. And threats. You, I don't know. Uh, that's the problem with decentralized. There is nobody. There is no real gatekeepers. The meetings that used to happen at HQ, like it all went down so fast. I didn't go to half the meetings because there was just no time. And then you'd sit there and listen to someone talk for that really didn't even know what was going on. It was just like, what the hell? Uh, But yeah, keep asking questions. (sighs)
0: So what was your biggest learning for you?
2: My biggest? Yeah. My biggest learning experience, there's too many to count, number one. Okay. I'm just trying to think what would have been mine out there. And that is just basically to to follow it, to uh, let it lead. Don't try to control it. Uh, just trust in creator. That'd be that. I've seen it too much times up there, creator times. You'll be sitting there in an impossible situation, and then boom, it's fixed. Huh. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. that's going and sometimes it has no direction at all and no clear leader and you know right from the beginning you know I hear things like oh we don't have any patchy dot uh uh consent da 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 well if they just if anybody has any inkling just to go on Facebook the uh Creek blockade google Roxy Jones I think it's called famous vid uh, makes history. You'll see exactly what kind of support we have. Like, she was a band counselor at that time, speaking as a private individual. It's a divided nation. What can you say? You're not going to have support of the whole nation. I actually talked to Jeff Jones, like the second day I discovered Berry Creek, and he said, "Quinn, we don't talk about these things. So...
0: What do you mean that, that we don't talk about the things? We don't talk about the Well, locates? I said, what
2: about this protest thing? And he said, Glenn, we don't talk about this. And that was hmm. all he had to say on the matter. So there's so much going on that you don't want to name names. You know, and this, we're going back time now. We're not talking about right now. We're talking about, you know, a while ago. Yeah, you can't, you can't be throwing people's names out that don't want their name thrown out. But do we have 100% consent? Of course not.
0: Okay, I want to talk about something here and um, maybe it's a bit sensitive and I'm trying to think how to approach this. But it's the way Glenn's appears. And, you know, when I just joined, I saw how you come across in the meetings. Maybe aggressive, uh, maybe talk over, maybe don't answer clearly to, to questions. And I was even told that you're not communicative, and if I'll call you, most chances that you won't answer.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm I answer all everything I find, I answer immediately. Like, as soon as, yeah, I've got a problem that way. I don't like leaving messages unanswered.
0: Yes, you did. You answered right away, and we had a beautiful conversation. And what I'm saying, we I'm keep being surprised by you. And I ask myself why I'm surprised. <laughs> it's funny. But the way you come across in the meetings is completely different than you, the way you are when somebody talks with you. And I just wonder if some of this impression can be improved. And if you are aware of that. The- I don't, I, I,
2: I, when you see me in that meeting speaking up, I'm speaking up for a reason. Because people are asking me. So when you see me in that meeting, and we we'll call it getting a little ugly, because it probably did look a little ugly. It's because, damn it, I see the, where people are hurting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see them on Facebook saying, how come the patch dad haven't been given this? How come they haven't done da, it? Da, 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 da. Well, I know, the inner, I know how that thing works. And I know there has been stuff done. But then the main things that needed to be done, no, they weren't getting done because no one can make up their damn minds like there's the financial committee what financial committee you know there wasn't one up until well there was one but it nothing functioned it didn't function yeah that's the best way to say it it functioned enough to get through but it's like no one's trained for it and i'm not i'm not saying anything nasty about anybody in that financial day because they did what they did to the best of their abilities. Like, believe me, and for free.
0: Yeah, so when we are frustrated, it's hard to change gear, and it's hard to notice what's really going on. And what's going on, like you're saying, things didn't function, like the system didn't function, and that's what you needed to address. But you talked about the other things, and and I think what was missing from... When you present those things, it's your heart and your connection with the people and that people approach to you and they ask you to speak for them. And if you were to say that, I think you would get different response.
1: And I think this is the thing, too. Um, We have... uh, I feel especially when we are young... We want to create the best world, and that's what we've been seeing at Fairy Creek. It's so beautiful. With Marmar and Naz's um, interviews, um, you could hear so clearly that they just want to create the most beautiful place at Fairy Creek for everybody, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that you fall back onto culture. Um, because culture is traditions and it's the way of the ancestors but with that um, it's, it's also having like a compassionate heart and being open when we're young we're so determined and we're like arrows flying and we want it this way and I don't know, I guess maybe the way Glenn appears when you first meet him, like he has like um, a brassness to him, you know? And maybe that's it. But like, if you just spend any time with him, I mean, and exactly what you said, like it's just such a compassionate heart and it just takes some time. Um, Well, not for me, I mean, I saw it right away but it's to get through all our layers and filters on how we see the world, um, you know, to see people um, on how they truly are. And that's something that was like in the chaos, um, so many people wanting it this way and this is the way it should be done. There's so many filters on how we see the world um, and perceptions and maybe some um, mirroring too um on other people and then just to take that away and see people, you know, if Glenn especially on how he really is. You know, such a kind heart. You know what something that I
0: I've noticed in the in Fairy Creek, but it's everywhere. It's not especially for Fairy Creek, of course. It's everywhere. We We see something uh, from, like, somebody, let's say, is asking for money. And then we connect it to other things we know about them, about these individuals, and say, aha, I figured it out. Now I know what's going Mm
1: -hmm.
0: on. So, But when we are working together to achieve something bigger than ourselves with other people, of course, they are different than us. They're different, yes. they see something different, they act in a different way. But how can we open our heart? How can we be, can we see things from their point of view and not alienate ourselves from them because they are a little bit different? And I think everybody- Intention. Intention, yeah, yeah to bring this intention ah. that if I don't understand someone and I have this assumption on them and maybe I can differentiate that what I know is X and oh, now I have assumption. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And belief. I mean, right from the beginning, I just had the deepest belief that everybody that went to Fairy Creek had heard the call of the forest and the trees. I just everybody was the most beautiful soul and person because they were there, you know, to protect the fo- the trees, which for myself became an onion because it became. So much more it became indigenous sovereignty, it meant land back, it meant so much more um, but everybody was a beautiful person, and i don't know that was just always my perspective on on everybody in the movement, which yeah um, i don 't know it's so interesting in my family um, like culture is such Um, a deep thing. I grew up in Calgary. So I grew up away from our culture. I moved back to the island six years ago. So I've been learning intensely, like living, not intensely, but living and learning for the past six years. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things I learned with my family is like, you don't speak about culture or the way things should be unless you know 100% and that was my perspective. So because I know I'm learning, um, and I don't know other people's culture, other First Nations cultures. So I never said anything, you know, like, who am I to say how things should be? Um, It's such a deep thing. And that's something for the elders. It's something for Bill. It's something for Grandma Olsa. Um, It just gets so tricky. And I understand there's these beautiful new ways of for the um you know for the BIPOCs and there's so many beautiful ways of learning that we had at Ferry Creek we are the epicenter of change what's happening at Ferry Creek hasn't touched the rest of the world like we are learning what the world has yet to even encounter and um I think we did a beautiful job in the chaos and figuring it all out, um, for the first time and just being as young as we are, you know, just the age groups that we are. Mm Um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty full on, but beautiful as well.
0: Yeah. And tell me, how do you see the relationship between BIPOC people and white people helping in the blockade?
1: Unity.
2: Unity, yeah. and and right now is the prime example of it. You got Raven and and Whaletail; they run that camp. They make the calls, one hundred percent. Whaletail has up. six or she's patchy. That plus she has six or seven older siblings i think it's seven older siblings on patchy dat well a couple of them are officers, but they're still patchy dat citizens and uh they are running that camp and have been doing this for months now like a lot of people that haven't been to the blockades lately it's been a learning curve but it's actually the way it should be right now uh the role of uh settlers if you want to call it that is to help is to help like What do you guys need? Okay, I'm going to come down there. I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to do this. Is there anything else you need? Da-da-da-da-da. And just keep helping out. We're on a little hibernation mode right now, but it ain't going to last long. Hibernation season's almost over. Uh, But any actions in that territory have to come with the permissions through Whaletail now. Thank God it's worked out this way because I would have had to get out of it. Like It was just getting a little too crazy.
0: Wait a minute, I wanna make sure I understand. So unity it means that we're working together to achieve a shared goal, but it's not equally it's not we're not equally leading the movement because white people are here to support the indigenous leadership.
2: Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Like it's it's their territory the whole way up to almost Lake Cowichan. It's still not claimed. They claimed uh, the band accounts, I guess, claimed some of the old growth areas, but they didn't claim the whole TFL, which they need to do. Uh, you have Raven. You've you got Whaletail there. She's part of a matriarchal system. I know many of them in there. If anything needs to happen, they're going to let Whaletail know mm-hmm. and vice versa. So it's, it is to support that role it's to uplift that role because that's the only way it's going that's the only way these, these unseated territories are going to get protected. End of story. Like it's the only way uh, through the land guardian system, which it's complicated and convoluted in itself, but this is the way forward. And, and like we'll call it settlers. We'll call it the universities. Everybody else need to participate in that and start uplifting the, rule of the land the law of the land because this is how it's going to happen like the grand chief said the province's time is done in the woods well we know whose time it is in the woods and it's going to be the land guardians it's going to be the matriarchal systems Uh, i go back to what one of the diddy dad aunties told me and she said glenn she goes i'm the loudest voice in this territory Mm -hmm. she goes and i don't speak up nearly enough and it's we're just learning, we're just getting our voices back. So that's what it's all about. It's about lifting up everybody on the territories. Uh, and are
0: they indigenous? They're lifting their voice up. Are they united? Are they saying the same no, things? No. no,
2: because we've been we've been the colonizers. The colonizers have got in there and put a colonial system in their territories. It's so. It's so complicated, but it's going to take strong family and, and, and more healing before we're there. But until we're there, and in some territories they are there, believe me, it's uh, to support. Like, so, you hear me screaming about, like, they should be getting a little more help down in Apache. Yeah, they should be. Definitely. We have done lots of things to help out people as a cause but there's more work to be done for sure. Uh, and one of the biggest ways is in, in anybody that wants to get involved, that is indigenous, make your voice known. Like you've got to stand up and say, Hey, here's what I want to do. Uh, right now. Yeah. Just to get uh, the votes to, to get, uh, yeah, everything, it's still chaotic because there is no structure to this movement. There's none. It's like there's a few people in roles, like we'll use myself, for example. I've stayed fast. I've done what I think is best. I listened to Grandma Olsa. I listen to Bill. I listen to patriarchs and ma- matriarchs from Dad. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm accountable to, Bill. I'm not accountable to this person that comes over here from the freaking planes telling me this, that, and the other. No, I'm not accountable to them. I'm accountable to people from that land. Like truly, that's all there is to it. Uh, Yeah. I see so much crazy stuff out there. I can't believe it, but it was, it was beautiful. It was, it's beautiful. No matter how you look at it, it's beautiful. It accomplished a, one of the, one of the uh, guys from the territory, like one of the, he's right involved, he said, you know, what you guys did for Diddy Dididat, Hawaii, for the three nations, for negotiating powers, is unbelievable. Huh. Like, that's what he said. It's unbelievable. We can't believe it.
0: Right. Yeah. Can you summarize the movement's success from your perspective?
2: One is this RCMP, like they do not have the powers they take, like on unceded territories. They really don't. Uh, They're invested in lumber, forestry and abstractions for their pensions. So they got a kind of conflict of interest. Uh Uh, I'd say number one, number one and most foremost that we've changed government policy. They actually started doing some of the deferrals that needed to be done. That they promised to do.
0: In mm-hmm.
2: We held the politicians accountable. Wow. Uh, that's number one. We're holding them accountable. Number two, like same with the police. Accountability. Uh, Ferry Creek is actually under a two-year deferral right now. There's still some logging that can take place. A very small bit left. So the goals have been accomplished. That's why roadside's gone. Mm -hmm. And now Whale Tail with her family, this is what's going to happen. They're going to have their discussions now in peace. Yeah, there's going to be a little contingency, but it's whatever they choose. It's not going to be a group of outsiders making the choices any longer. Okay. And I think that's the way it should be on all territories.
0: I want to go back to what we talked about. Indigenous people need to find their voice and speak out loud. And say more about what is finding your voice. Is it something you need to connect to your wisdom, connect to your culture? Or it's more the way, way of communication skills and how to be heard and, or maybe how to be heard by white people? and if do you think it's something related to being indigenous that it's hard to be heard or it's something that is more individual on on an individual basis that f- for some people it's just harder to be heard um
1: i think i can i can i can speak just for myself i know i come from a family that is soft spoken like my family is very soft spoken you go to a supper And everybody there's like, it's quiet a lot of the time. And there's, you know, beautiful little conversations and laughs, you know, that's just how we are. There is a idea in Western culture that um, you have to be loud to be heard. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens in the circles. That's just the way that the culture is. I don't think it's anything against anybody we know like th- that's just how people are raised but a lot of indigenous people are i i feel are soft spoken uh, and it's just again the two cultures learning how to work together uh, and it's just like you know what glenn was saying it's just people learning to ask an indigenous person like you know to speak first you know it's just those kind of like um that kind of respect and in circles. Because for myself, I know that, you know, a lot of indigenous people are soft-spoken and we don't have to become loud to fit into the culture. We just have to learn how to work together.
0: Yes, I agree. You don't need to become loud to fit into the culture. You can be yourself. But to wait that other people will call you to speak... That leaves you a little bit dependent, and that concerns me. I had to go through similar process in a way. I don't know if I can call myself so soft spoken as a Israeli person, I, but compared to my husband, and it's always compared to who you talk with, I'm very soft spoken. I was, and I had to, I had to grow to be able to be equal when we speak. I had to trust that what I have to say is very important. I had to trust my feelings. It was a very delicate and amazing process to to sit down in a conversation and feel what I feel and feel like it's, no, I, I have to say something right now. I want to stop it because I feel not comfortable. Or I just need a break. Or I, I want him to stop talking because I don't feel comfortable with something and to be okay to speak up and say that it's very, very empowering. And another thing I had to do is like, stop comparing myself to him because he's very smart and the way he speak is very eloquent. So he is he the one that like speaking in the beginning of the podcast, of course, <laughs> you know, his English is perfect. So I had to stop compare myself to him and that's helped me a lot with Allowing myself to be me and to be okay with who I am.
1: I guess it's a scary thing because you do have to kind of just step up and speak. Um, It is a responsibility. It's a responsibility to speak up. And that's something, and it's something, not just a responsibility, it's something that you owe yourself to when you're with a group of people. Um, to speak up and your voice is um, just as valid as anybody else's. I think it's just like a part of like um, growing up too, like just for myself anyways. um, Everybody is different. There are the speakers, Marmar, holy God, is Marmar a good speaker. It's a gift, gift. Some people have a gift of speaking. And then others, I feel like myself, we have to grow in confidence and it's just you know it's it's it's, it's all of that it's, it's learning how to speak and knowing that you can say something that everybody would would love to hear because we're not raised that way really
0: do you think it's coming from being respectful for others or maybe um, afraid to to show off and take too much space? Um,
1: I don't know. I think I, for myself, I think it's the ancestors. I think it's just how maybe, like, my family and maybe other families always were, you know, just quieter life in, in nature, you know, sitting, you know, doing work in nature. You were just... And it wasn't long ago. It wasn't many generations ago. It was, it was just quieter. Nobody yelled probably you know there's lots of laughter but i don't know i know there's probably lots of native families that have like a few loud people and you know that's just how it is but it's it's a different um yeah i love it actually how how, how soft-spoken my family is it's Your very relaxing <laughs> i heard that what are you saying glenn
2: rainbow eyes grandfather is a powerful was a powerful first nations <laughs> Land back,
1: baddie,
2: for sure. Yeah,
1: my grandfather was um, William Glendale, and he was the hereditary chief for the Dunaktau Awitlala First Nation, and he was he was powerful. Yeah, he knew when to speak up, but he also um, didn't speak. I know until it was his time to speak. It was it was a respect thing as well.
0: Rainbow, Eyes, I want to ask you. Let's say you're sitting in a circle right now, or in a meeting. What would help you finding confidence and courage and inner strengths to decide that it's important enough that you speak up right now? What do you need? What would help you? The real decisions,
2: like in this organization, and I'm breaking in here because I see where you're going with this questioning about these circles. Mm -hmm. I got a bit of ADHD personally. And... (laughs) These these circles, like when they circle up to discuss this and discuss that, the ones Katie had were great. They were strategic. They were done right. The ones, uh, so many other ones I've been to, depending on what they were, if it was one for tactics on the down at HQ there, they were good. But I stayed out of those ones because tactics was not my department. My department was not that at all. And Number two, I give a quick feedback, get the hell out of there because time's precious. And no one's paid for this stuff. We're all doing it out of the goodness of our hearts. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I want to go to the future and quit looking at the past because the past is the past. It was amazing. You got to take out all the good parts, look at the bad parts, learn from the bad parts going forward. We need strong First Nation support. Uh, I'm watching all these deals being made around the province now and a couple of them we were there to watch them transpire with First Nations consent uh, and then the industry has to consent to them as well they have no choice they know the truth you look at uh, North Island with the four nations getting together and deferring logging up in the territories north of Campbell River industry involved First Nations involved Boom, done. They all know this is the way forward. And what we need is people to bring these ideas to the table to their own nations uh, and have the supports they need. This has to happen. But finding leaders in a culture that has been decimated, you know, it's like the seven generations ain't up yet. Like, I see leaders like Tiggy Jones he's a rising leader in the patchy dad went to university he's now the teacher in school he's a council member now Mm -hmm. uh unbelievable stuff like uh my own brother-in-law he went to university and then he went to be band manager for 20 years uh made a lot of positive changes uh in ontario a few of my friends uh in the mohawks like I watched uh, them go through as band manager and then and then up and beyond helping other nations. And it's just, it takes time to get there. Looking at the past of what happened at Fairy Creek, yeah, there's lots of lessons to be learned. Yeah. It was definitely a point in history and it is definitely the, uh, the catalyst for change, that's for sure, because a lot of other nations looked at this and said, wow, amazing. That's why the Grand Chief uh, Stewart there that's why they backed us up, UBC, UBIC. That's why they backed it, because we have their support. Like, we didn't have, well, they backed us. They backed the whole organization. They back Elder Jones, because he is the elder of the community. Smarter thinking in the future, definitely. Uh, but there, there needs to be groups of people get together with a goal in mind. Like, NASA has a goal to do a long house and take over territory up there well amazing that's the way it's got to go that's that's the direction and the focus it has to go oh yeah it's it's a learning curve it's a learning curve uh actually i never even knew about this and thing and actually i'll say it right now i didn't even know about that till this year that's one of the things i did learn i never even knew it was a i didn't know it was that well i was supposed to die of cancer a couple of years ago i was given a six percent chance of living for two years
0: Whoa!
2: For some, this is why I gave up my all. I figured I'm dying anyway, so I might as well give it all to an indigenous cause. Because,
0: yeah. Do you still have a cancer?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, I went to. That's how I got to Fairy Creek. Uh, basically, I went under a surgery that you don't know, survive. I was put a feeding tube in me, and they told me, "No, you can't get that out of there. Uh, you die with that feeding tube in you." And basically, I'm like, "What?" Then for some reason I got on the the bike and realized, well, if I'm going to die, I might as well die on my motorcycle. And went for some nice drives down in Renfrew area. Uh, That's how I ended up down there, just seeing the beauty. And then I healed.
0: Whoa, that's amazing.
2: I healed. I didn't die. Yeah. Esophagus, esophageal and and stomach. So it's the worst. It's the worst. The surgery was barbaric. Was it from smoking? No, not at all. That's the funny part about it all. Well, I didn't smoke for many, many years. I started smoking when they told me I was going to die. <laughs> I thought, fuck, I miss smoking. I think I'm going to have one. That's the funniest <gasps> part of it. Yeah. So maybe genetic. Oh, yeah. My family's got the cancer lottery thing happening.
0: <sighs> <year>. Lottery? <laughs> yeah. That's funny.
2: And, uh, yeah, we definitely, yeah, that's that's number one. And, and, you know, I was involved in some industries like pharmaceutical years ago. To, you know, yeah, a lot of hormone stuff. I had a weirdo hormone cancer that started it all off. Same one Steve Jobs had. Mm-hmm. And then I, I've been, been three different times. The last one was the one that see you later time, but it didn't work out that way. It went creator time instead. That's why I gave it my all. I had nothing to lose.
0: That's amazing. That sounds like you had a wake-up call from your body to go after your heart and go save the ferry creek and do something that is important to you. Is it true?
2: That is exactly what it, And And I run like my own businesses for 25 years and stuff. So it's like I can focus on like many different things at once it's it's a kind of a blessing and a curse. So yeah, I can be driving down the road and uh, see a picture that needs to be taken out of the corner of my eye and I take it and then it gets on Facebook and it's a good picture. Or I see that logging truck and I can wheel that truck around on a dime and get up behind him within two minutes and get a picture of that log rolling out. Or I can chase a Teal Jones truck up the road with a stolen dirt bike on and pull some Dukes of hazards and get away with it. <laughs> but then it's just it's not it how do i say this it's when the spirit gets you you don't have no choice you got to do these things it just comes it comes out of you just like and i've seen it in so many people at fairy greek too it's that's the beauty of it i've seen miracles They're miracles happen we're sitting there rolling down the roads got bill on one side got uh Rainbow Eyes in the back with their drum, Got uh, Big Sage in the back with her drum. Mm -hmm. Going to meet some cops. Bill Jones goes, we need Victor. (laughs) Up at the bridge, Fairy Creek, close her eyes to say something to the creator. Open her eyes, there's Victor. There's Victor walking onto the bridge. Go there and cut off. 25 cop cars and Bill schools them for 45 minutes to the E commander, like the gold commander. Like how does that happen? It's all creator time. Like it truly is. It ain't me doing it. I'm just, I'm just a tool at it for the <laughs> creator.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. I bet that's feel really good. Well, I feel
2: good about it. I feel good about it. I said a lot of weird stuff, but it's, it is what it is. Like we were, none of us were trained for this. Like it it feels that way to me. Like everything I learned, not everything, but most things I learned growing up all the way until I came here, got utilized. And the same with rainbow, like everything, you know, being a land guardian, North Island, helping people get through that program doing decolonization workshops with UVic. Like it's just amazing. And, uh, It's going to continue, but it's going to be different and it's going to be lit. (laughs) That's for sure.
0: You're an inspiration, Glenn.
1: Yep.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I just want to go back right now. Now I just want to go right back right now. (laughs) Yeah, and that's part of the reason I couldn't sit around like a lot of those big long drawn out meetings like because it was like I couldn't do just no time in life for it. I you know, I just couldn't do it. (laughs) I couldn't. I'd sit there and this is I understand the frustration of a lot of the indigenous youth that were frustrated because you'd sit in that circle and I put myself in their shoes listening to that. My good God. Yeah. I, yep. I would. I think I couldn't deal with it myself. That would make me more anxiety. and just have to leave for sure because I could. It'd be, it be. It's embarrassing to say. I seen some embarrassing people opening their mouths, but and I do it myself, so I can't judge.
0: But
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a weird thing to happen. Like, who would have expected this would have happened?
0: What you said right now is really precious that you have this ability of self-awareness. That's what makes you so grounded and humble, being able to see your own abilities and limitations. So you can appreciate others' people abilities and you can forgive them for their limitations. And isn't that amazing that some of us are really good in organizing and some of us are really good in leading circles and some of us are really good in building structures and some... Or professional in connecting people, and we don't have to be good in everything. And that's what makes this organization or group of people so strong, because each one can be their best selves.
1: Yeah.
2: I yeah. People that judge people, there's usually low self esteem involved, and I know how low self esteem be be in my childhood because I suffered it pretty friggin bad. Actually, up in. in Probably until my thirties, I suffered from low self esteem. It's part of the reason I was got so motivated in life to do good. <laughs> like to, yeah, yeah, that's how I built my my businesses. That's that was the number one drive was my low self esteem trying to pull out of it.
0: Any last words you want to add? How do you feel?
2: I feel if there's any indigenous youth that really want to get involved. Contact me, because the avenues are all there. The whole groundwork's been laid out. It needs leaders. I'm not a leader. That's that I'm not a leader. I just held space. If Whale Tail wants something, she knows who to call, because she knows it's going to get to her. Uh, it's, and I, it's not that I have control over finances. I don't. I'm not on the financial committee. That's all there is to it. But if people need help but they need guidance, yeah, they can reach out to me. Signal's not the best place, though. Messenger seems to be the fastest and, way. And
1: and I just I'll just say too, like, and people do reach out to Glenn. Like and that's the thing, like Glenn lives, breathes, Ferry Creek. Um, he's in connection with people on the mainland. He's in connection with people all over the place. That's he is a connector. Um, twenty four seven. Mm-hmm. So, and just connecting people with other people and, you know, with Pally and Raven, just all the time. So, yeah, honestly, if anybody wants to become involved or has any questions, yeah, Glenn is the go-to because Glenn has his ear to the grind. You know, what's going on at Fairy Creek? Um, and it's, and it's, a full, it's more than a full-time job. Um, we are living it 100%.